Hi, and welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast. Every week, we will talk to the great, the good, and the legendary from the worlds of food, drink, marketing, and business to help give you the advice that will really help your brand boom. A huge thanks to our headline sponsors, the award-winning Engage Interactive. Engage Interactive have been helping hospitality businesses like yours prepare for a mobile and digital first world since 2007. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. So it's late April and we're still in lockdown, but honestly, I've had the most joyous chat with actually someone that I've never properly met. So today's guest is a real titan of the casual dining industry and has got a great story of matching theatre with great food, great hospitality, and the warmth, vibrancy, and colourfulness from another nation that's a little bit far away. Today's guest is Mark Selby from Oaxaca, and honestly, sometimes you have these podcasts in your diary, and you're a little bit nervous because you've never spoken to the person before, and today I've just had my absolute socks blown off because we didn't even get time to do an intro properly and Mark was just straight out the traps effervescing to talk all about this amazing industry the situation we're in his people how he met Tommy and how the birth of Oaxaca actually happened so sit back relax get yourself a sipping tequila and enjoy this real warm chat amongst hopefully some new friends and I got so much out of this episode and I really hope that you do too. So it gives me the most pork pibble pleasure ever to introduce my next guest who is Mark Selby, co-founder and CEO of the incredible Oaxaca. And on. Uh, yeah, we're all right. We're all right. We're um, we are learning a little bit every day, fighting lots of battles and stuff. But um, you know, like all these things, you sit back and you go, "Well, it's an experience, isn't it?" Yeah, yeah, like like no other. And I think the the stuff I'd been talking about, just you know, for spouting stuff on and different interviews and whatever. But there's a bit of me that's a wee bit excited, you know, about this massive comeback and testing your metal to you know the biggest relaunch of all time yeah for everyone yeah and i think you know? i mean we're certainly doing lots of thinking and stuff around you know what 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 the future looks like and and plans and all that kind of stuff um and it's you know it, it is exciting i think i think there's just the um the cast situation and and, and the short-term element of that is the hardest bit but yeah um, no definitely um I'm basically the same as everyone uh, became a charity business overnight. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, you're just watching the old bank balance ticking down and you're thinking, oh, when that number turns to a different number, I'm, I'm going to start getting worried. But, um, you know, we'll just need to kind of wait and see how, how it goes. But I think it's just that unknown of, you know, how phased, um, you know, the comeback might be and also, just that consumer sentiment, you know, like how are people really feeling and how are the different generations feeling? Yeah. Um, yeah it'll be yeah. quite interesting to see, you know. Um, but the good news is you've got a 
strong brand and you know great products and and you know loads of crazy fans and stuff like that you know so yeah and i think yeah yeah we were sort of looking you know back in whatever it was november december uh i think there was a yougov poll done um which kind of put us at at london's favorite restaurant brand um it was fantastic so for us it was like you know actually yeah things that things were, were were looking in a really good good spot i mean despite obviously very difficult headwinds around everything you know with brexit which seems to have kind of disappeared into some sort of problem to be solved later but um you know and and there's lots of excitement so i think you know the brand's in a strong position um and for us it's about you know slowly slowly getting ourselves um to that kind of front of mind forum again in terms of people's eating habits which uh would definitely you know you took the the um YouGov kind of poll um, was getting was getting to the right place. So in in a way, uh, you know, it, it's a it's a real pain that this has come now better than any time. But actually, coming out of this to be able to kind of effectively, as you say, the big relaunch where you kind of get all your messages tidied up, you get the kind of you know the product in a great place, which it sort of is little tweaks, etc. Then then hopefully you can come out in quite a strong place, but you know when when and how that happens is is a difficult one well i i think the great news for you guys and you know it goes back for years for me you know just as an onlooker really um as years ago i remember getting the boots christmas catalog right and in the middle pages it was you guys and nando's right yeah. with your kits and you, you can't have had that many restaurants back then you know and i'm going jesus christ that you know so i think the great thing again, you've you've got more than one hook on the the cliff face. Yeah, you know you're not just um, you know a restaurant or not just you know you've you've been exploring all these other touch points for such a long time. Well, I think in a funny way that's potentially sort of undermined us because we obviously came out um, from the beginning, and, and I think um, because of Tommy's sort of you know being the first person to win Master Chef or certainly the kind of the, the bigger, stronger, bolder Master Chef. Um, and then starting our restaurant, you know, being kind of first people putting kind of Mexican food on the map in, in terms of sort of modern Mexican food, et cetera. It got, mm. we got a lot of hyped publicity um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and were very popular and, and had lots of successes off the back of that, I think. And, th- and then obviously did all these other things and lots of people were talking about us, et cetera. But it sort of actually weirdly, I think there was a sort of a stage probably, and obviously it was when we, we, we had sort of it was just before norovirus but sort of norovirus obviously knocked it massively out of context as well is suddenly people thought we were actually a way bigger brand and business than than we actually were um and and what what interestingly i think you know people say oh you know it's oaxaca there's hundreds i remember someone saying you've got hundreds haven't you You went no no, no, we've got 12 you know people went have you wow that's yeah so people kind of assumed that we had way more than we actually did which, which in a way with the modern, when the modern, because, you know, we, Facebook and Twitter and all those things weren't, they just were starting back then. And, you know, the whole social media thing didn't take off for three or four years. And when it suddenly did, people weren't necessarily thinking of us as, as a brand to go and engage with on that level, because it was all the small startups. And actually, funny enough, we'd started four or five years later, I think from a, from a kind of social media point of view, actually would have been, um, very interesting but we've almost had to battle against guys we're not actually you know tommy and i are still running this business 
we are you know yes we've got 25 we're hackers but we're still a we're still a small smallish business and, and we kind of love what we're doing but we you know what that that was one of the really interesting things about winning that yuga poll is it felt that we'd actually managed to shift back to front of mind rather than being oh yeah well hackers a lovely brand i love it have you been recently no, i haven't been for a while as opposed to yeah i actually went the other day it was brilliant you know so that that felt yeah. like it was slowly kind of happening um and that's why the timing's slightly irritating but you know we're 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 we'll 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 uh we'll come back out sort of fighting well i have to say as well like the the work that you did um you know on the rebrand and you know the sort of brand evolution if you like and the restructuring of the menu um i was doing a, a call the other day with uh, the two forks team oh yeah and you know we were talking about your menu and that and it from just a couple of visits difference for me you know in that time i went back to you know in brighton we're in brighton, yeah, yeah, brighton yeah. so we're in brighton one night and it was really noticeable, the menu, you know, and it was like, it just felt so clear, so, you know, easy to, to, to get, easy to choose. Staff were amazing. Um, we, we were uh, quite a few margaritas down. And, um, you know, we, we, we had the best time. And I think that coupled with the rebrand, the colourways as well, just that whole blue and pink thing just seemed to kind of stand out more. Yeah. And then I remember when I was back at We Are Spectacular, um, before I kind of went back out on my own there, um, a brief came across our desk, which was for your packaging, uh, for the supermarket stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, looking at that, and I thought, God, what a what an amazing brief. I don't think we, ended, we didn't end up doing it in the end, but, um, you know, in terms of, you know, you're up against that bright yellow behemoth, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and and how do you you know zig and zag around that? And yeah. it's just like, but it, again, as you're saying, twenty five restaurants taking on El, El Paso. Yeah, Jeez-o. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's it was yeah, I mean, the whole two folks did a great job, and one one of the big, you know, the big challenges I think, which which our, our problem almost is that we've got so many stories and so many things we want to tell that we just kept adding adding them to the menu so you know for example everything about you know we still i think are one of the one of the most sustainable restaurant businesses out there um yeah. and uh, you know if not at our size the most and uh, it's really difficult to you know we led on all that stuff and descriptions in all the menu items and all that kind of stuff but it became it became messy and it became it became sort of a bit like well where do i where do i go here sort of thing um and what we did which as you pointed out is kind of stripped it all back made it more about just the dishes but then you're kind of hit with this thing it's like right where and how do we talk about these other things you know how do do we tell people about where our fish comes from how do we tell people that you know everything's everything's british how do we tell people about our kind of organic veg and all that kind of stuff and that that's been and that still is a bit of a challenge funny enough even having a call today just going okay well how do we you know we yeah, it's going to be so important coming out of this whole COVID thing um, around people wanting to know what, you know, what's your local presence, what's your sustainable impact. Um, And for us, it's like, we don't want to go back to sort of putting it all over the menu again to how do we navigate our way through just reassuring people that we are actually probably even more, well, we are even more so, you know, we're carbon neutral now and everything compared to where we were when we started. Um, 
and and that's been actually fun enough and, and, and remains probably our biggest our biggest challenge. Well, it's a common one, right? And you know, get a lot of briefs coming through saying, you know, how how can we amplify our message? We've got all these stories. I mean, actually, most briefs that come in don't have as many stories as you do. But you know, they're saying we want to tell and that. But there's a great piece of advice, right? There's a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk out in America who's kind of the forefront of digital and business, and he's quite kind of rah rah and sometimes a bit much at times, but. What he'd said was, and I was talking to Bills about this when I was sort of helping reposition them, and it was like, what about, you know, document, don't create? So it was just this fact. And actually, I used Tommy's picture in a, a speech in Kiev um, about this very point. And I was saying, if from day one, you know, whether it was Bill or you guys or Nisha at, at Mowgli or Deshum or whatever, um, if you documented just had things shooting and rolling all the time, then it becomes a second nature just to put it out there. And and I think there's a certain amount of humbleness from brands that are like, God, I don't want to go on too much and I don't want to, you know. But actually what they're saying is you're needing between 80 and 100 pieces of content a day on social yeah. to stand out organically. Yeah. So that's more than enough to be putting, you know, peppering what you're putting out there with all your great messages as well. And, you know, it doesn't need to be Avatar or Star Wars or Titanic, you know? Yeah, um, yeah exactly. I think and I think, just, I think that's... Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and that, you know, and we have we have often sort of people said, oh, I didn't realise you do all these things. And and, and our, our kind of thing has been, well, you know, we, we don't talk about it too much, but if you're interested, you can kind of find and navigate your way through the website and mm. and whatever. But it, it's it's a, you know, I, th- I think there's a there's a a useful sort of way of getting some information out to people where they're like, wow, you do all that stuff. But that said, as we go back to reiterating, you're nothing unless you've got great, delicious food. So, so the food has to come first and, and the descriptive language around the food. And then the kind of the backup is, you know, and we do all these kind of sustainable things as well. It's really interesting. You're saying that, right. I'm, I'm at the moment I've been stupid enough to apply to, to, to do, a part two of this mini MBA thing that they do at Marketing Week, right? Yeah. Uh, just scrape through the other one, <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, wasn't paying enough attention. But anyway, uh, I've just been watching the first module of that, and it was talking about brand equity. Yeah. And if you simply take away the commodity of what you sell, not to cheapen what you do, but the, the commodity of what you sell versus your competitors, what's that, you know, positive and negative, you know, the touchy-feely, stuff that, that makes you feel warmer or comes to mind. And, you know, I, I think you've got that in spades and it's a neat trick to pull off, you know. It's not easy. And having those craveable dishes, because the thing about this COVID thing right now also is it might be for a little while people really make it count when they go out. And it's what could I go out for that I just couldn't get the same food and experience at home? And there's loads of them that you can but there's very few that you can't, you know? Yeah. yeah. And and you, you've definitely got to be in that category, you know, for sure. And you're my wife's favourite restaurant by a country mile. Um, oh, so, you, you know, uh, we, we're, we're often popping in and stuff. So I think from, from that perspective, there's a lot of things going right. And you've straddled that line of not being a chain, staying indie, you know, sort of founder, founder run and, 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 you know, co-founders run and all that. You know, it's it's a it's a real neat trick to pull off. You know, so no, I I think it's going to be, 
a really exciting time for you, for sure. Yeah, and and it, you know the the tragedy is, I think a lot of businesses aren't going to succeed, um, and you know, God willing, we will, and that, and therefore there will be kind of an opened up sort of you know opportunity because it has been you know it's been it's been very very tough on the on the kind of you know within the restaurant space over the last four or five years as, as so many people have kind of entered and and to be fair so many people have entered incredibly well you know it's it's a it's a highly highly competitive space and you do have to really really kind of deliver in order to succeed and that that's a that's a you know something which we never kind of forget that the food quality uh more than ever is is the most important thing and and as you say all the nice touchy feely bits you have alongside it are important but the moment you let your food quality drop um or your service levels drop then then you're nothing kind of thing yeah no definitely and the old uh, you know you can't shrink a business to greatness sort of phrase you know yeah, but yeah. I, I i think that's so well if we go back actually um you know, I was really keen to to hear about you and your background, and I think we've maybe been in the same room together, yeah. passing each other, but we've we've never had a proper no, sit down. No. So yeah, so it'd be good to understand, you know, your background, how you get into hospitality, you know, what what your what your X Factor journey's been, I suppose, up till up till now. Funny enough, probably from about the age of fifteen or sixteen, I always wanted to do one of two things. Um, one was uh, either kind of enough run a restaurant or the other was run a theater um and those mm. have always been kind of my two big passions um and i kind of love you know through through my kind of dad i kind of love sort of uh an entrepreneurial spirit as it were um but i kind of so i went to i went to edinburgh university and and funny enough met up uh sort of met tommy through through that whole thing but um kind of left there and realized that uh you know I didn't know I studied politics but um and finance but but wanted to um kind of you know really understand how businesses work so I managed to get a job working at Merrill Lynch in the kind of corporate finance team um in London and kind of always in my mind was going to be there for you know the shortest period of time really but to learn about business about you know how businesses tick cash flows etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and did did two and a bit years there, which was which was brilliant. Um, and just you know, for me, an absolute grounding for uh, for running a business. You know, just just understanding everything from from valuations to banking to sort of cash and how you manage cash and how you report and things. So it was it was brilliant. Um, I then left there and went and worked um, with Stelios, who set up EasyJet, and I kind of worked. Did you? Yeah. Um, oh, brilliant! Sort of worked as a sort of a right hand, a right hand man almost for him in the what was called the kind of new projects team, and we just had it. We had a great time. We were basically tasked about four of us in the team, and we we were sort of just tasked with working with Stelios, going, okay, well let's let's explore Easy Gym as an idea. So I would go off for three months and just sort of pull together a business plan for what Easy Gym might look like, or I kind of did Easy Cruise, let's say Easy Hotel. And then I was kind of involved sort of um, on Easy Car. I was kind of business development director of Easy Car for a bit. Uh, and, you know, I used to eat out um, way beyond my kind of budget means um, pretty much <laughs> from being at university. I used to love eating out. And, and whilst I love food, I actually, for me, the big thing was the experience of restaurants, the kind of the vibe, the atmosphere, which goes to that kind of theatrical link, really. Um, and I kind of got introduced to the two founders of, of Nando's 
um, and ended up kind of working as a sort of leaving easy and went and worked as a sort of right hand man for um, for the kind of two guys that Robbie and home Charles Lux in in, um, uh, in London sort of working on a whole lot of strategic projects for them and we we it was at the time they they just sort of partnered up and bought Pizza Express and Ask and created Gondola and things. So I was kind of involved in all of all of that side. Um, so learned a lot about restaurants and particularly with Nando's, just learned a hell of a lot about culture within a business and how you need to, you know, how people, you know, it's an often thrown around phrase, but when you actually kind of live it and breathe it and just see the the, the direct impact of when you kind of put people first what that does particularly in the hospitality space um just yeah learn learn a phenomenal amount had a great time and it was sort of whilst there that that was then um kind of said right I, th- I think I'm I think I'm ready to go off and do my own thing um and and so that was sort of um I then I then looked having traveled around Mexico when I was 18 funny enough I got my A-level results standing in the Zocalo in the main square in Oaxaca at the, age, oh, wow. at the age of 18 calling up i remember about seven thirty a.m calling up uh kind of my uh my school to try and get yeah my results um and so i've always had this affiliation with with oaxaca and with uh with mexico um and just looking looking around and i i'd done a little bit of a project on putting uh on on nando's opening in america um, and was fascinated by kind of Chipotle and its success and, and how well it was doing. But for me, whilst that kind of very fast, casual business was interesting, it kind of lacked the theatre um, mm-hmm. of kind of the casual dining space. And, you know, I was fascinated. I've always I've always loved Wagamama's as a brand and was fascinated by what they were doing and kind of wanted to take the, the efficiency and the kind of economics of what Wagamama's had, but, but create a kind of a vibrancy that would be um would be completely different in the in the restaurant space and so that's and sunny seeing you know taking mexico what i knew about mexico um and what i knew about the kind of the, the dining space and the fact that no one was doing good mexican food got me kind of really excited about about the opportunities there and i was chatting to a friend um one night about it and they said oh do you remember tommy from university you've got to go and you've got to go meet her she's um, you know, she just won MasterChef, literally, and she she'd been living in Mexico City for a year and a half, um, and you know was a was an absolute um, ambassador for everything great around Mexico. Um, and so we kind of met up. Literally, I had the kind of the funding and stuff to 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 do a business, and we 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 kind of met up in a in a pub in um, uh, sort of off White City, uh, and literally an hour later shook hands, and I think three weeks later we were we were in Mexico together, um, and and sort of dreaming up what then became what then became Oaxaca. So that's a that's a little snapshot of, of how we got to sort of setting up the business. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast is also brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. As the finance experts in hospitality, BDO have the experience and the insight to provide solid foundations for your business's future growth.
BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed. If you're in need of a dedicated transactional team bolstered with corporate finance, audit and tax services, talk to BDO, who've got the right expertise, knowledge and experience to drive your restaurant or bars business throughout their full life cycle. As thought leaders across the sector, BDO offers commercial and technical updates specifically tailored to restaurants and bars, including their annual hospitality reports. BDO also have a well-established network in the industry that spans across finance directors, suppliers and advisors, and they are always willing to use this to their clients and their contacts' advantage. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how they can help take your hospitality business to the top. And please say that I sent you. And 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 what was the sort of first steps to, you know, opening and coming up with the the name and the the branding and and all that side of things? What happened there? Uh, so it's it's one of the bit the bits of advice I give to pretty much everyone I meet is like it will take you so much longer to start this restaurant than you possibly realise. So I think you know that was February two thousand and seven. So, uh, February 2007 and we didn't uh, no it's February 2006 and we didn't open the first Oaxaca until July 2007 so we we're in Mexico uh, you know so it was a year and a half really later um, that we managed to get it open and you know for us we went out there and we, we, we kind of knew it wanted to be Mexican and we knew it didn't want to just be a kind of a burrito place but we hadn't really established what level of um you know, food it was going to be. Was it going to be slightly more high-end kind of cantina? Was it going to be more literal kind of street sort of idea? And we just, by being out in the markets and the and traveling the kind of, um, you know, literally walking the streets of Oaxaca, Mexico City, etc., just kind of got excited about this idea about um, how can we how can we take street food and put it into a restaurant environment? Um, and, and back then that that really wasn't happening anywhere um and so this idea that you'd sort of be able to eat with your hands but in a kind of a you know in quite a cool vibe sort of restaurant with you know this this concept of two to three plates um per person which i think stefan a, a restaurant magazine sort of attributed to us um that you know that this before before us the, the kind of idea of saying order two to three plates per person that didn't exist you had the tapas restaurants but that literally came from Tommy and I being in her kitchen kind of going, okay, we've got all these amazing dishes, but how do we get, people don't know what Mexican food is. They think a taco is a hard shell kind of um, thing, which you have mint meat in. They think that um, the rest of Mexican food is about fajitas and maybe enchiladas. And that's kind of it. How do we get mm. people to try all this different street food? And we kind of said, well, why don't we make it in slightly smaller formats, smaller plates. So people, you know, two to three people could possibly have, you know, eight, nine different flavor profiles between them. So they really got to enjoy it. But actually, it was quite wholesome food. It wasn't sort of small, tiny tapas levels. Um, and that's how we kind of went about that. And, and so, you know, th this this idea of then having this sort of quite kind of table, table mattress, uh, table mat uh, menu, which kind of got dirty, but it was sort of reminiscent of newspaper wrappings etc of, of street food um and having this thing where you kind of came and you, you wouldn't really know what anything was but you'd have a waiter that was really really well trained engaged in what all the food was meant what all the ingredients were who could kind of guide you through as we said guide you through the markets um at the time 
um, you know, it was exciting. And, and obviously Oaxaca, as I said, I, I, I loved Oaxaca. It's one of Tommy's favorite places um, as well. And, um, you know, we, we loved the name and actually, you know, thought long and hard about calling it O-A-X-A-C-A. Um, yeah. uh, and then and then ended up going, well, do you know what? We we kind of love the idea that we're bringing this new style of Mexican food over to the UK, but it's not just Oaxacan food. And I think, you know, it would be similar to kind of going, I don't know, Provencal or something, you know, calling a restaurant. Yeah. It, it wasn't actually uh, strictly Oaxacan food. So we kind of thought, actually, let's do this great play on words. And we ended up looking at the history of the name of Oaxaca and it's had sort of five or six evolutions from when the kind of the Aztecs were there to when the Spanish invaded to when the Mexicans and the name has shifted and maneuvered around a lot. Um, and so we kind of love the idea of, of presenting this sort of new style of Mexican food, but playing on, you know, one of our favorite cities. And we actually took it over to the um, kind of with some trepidation, took it over to the Mexican ambassador um, in London um, and kind of presented um, to him and the cultural attache uh, our kind of our name and were sort of very nervous that they would sort of just look in absolute horror as their kind of culinary capital was being destroyed by uh, these two Brits. But they actually put a big smile on their face and they said, we absolutely love it. I think there was one uh, slightly older person in the uh, amongst the people we were presenting who did have that look of absolute horror, um, but, <laughs> but they completely got it and, and kind of, you know, have been big supporters of ours ever since. And, you know, what, what, do you think's happened to Mexican food since? Do you think a lot of people have moved on in terms of their their education and all the rest of it? Or do you feel there's still a big job to be done? Funny enough, I I don't quite understand it because we do feed about sixty thousand people a week um, across the UK. So you kind of sit there going, you know, we we we've touched a lot of the UK. I think you know in terms of our thing, mm. but but still in sort of surveys that we've done and other people have done, there's still this big kind of you know misunderstanding this 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 sort of misperception of what mexican food uh is you know a lot of people i think i don't know 70 80 percent of people when you ask them about mexican food automatically assume it's very spicy they think it mm. um they think it's very heavy unhealthy um and you know which, which couldn't be further from the truth clearly there are elements you know particularly with quesadillas and things where you know, deliciously more as like a cheese toasty sort of Mexican version, which, which, you know, isn't the most healthy thing, but is, is, you know, absolutely delicious and, and fun to eat. But then with your you know, gluten-free corn tortillas, etc., there's a lot of health angles to, um, to Mexican food, you know, beans, chilies, corn, you know, the sort of the, um, the holy trilogy really of, um, of, uh, holy trinity of, um, of food in Mexico, all of which are incredibly healthy for you. So, that there's a you know it's wonderful kind of history of 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 what Mexican food is you know sort of cacao, vanilla, chilies, tomatoes, avocados you know they're all indigenous to Mexico um, and the Mexicans have been cooking with them longer than anyone else and this whole slow food movement which kind of came out of Mexico you know the way they cook their meats and how it breaks down which then allows you know you from a street food point of view to be able to hold it. You, know, you might cook it for five or six hours, but then you can hold it for longer and get it out quicker. You know, the whole thing actually works incredibly well. So has it moved on? 
undoubtedly it's moved on, but there's still a long way to go. And I think, you know, again, looking back to the early days when I kind of, you know, if I aspired to sort of a business, it was something like Wagamama's where you kind of went, you know, what what they've done. And, and very much in the early days, you know, we, we followed a similar path to them with regards to kind of popularity and changing perceptions. But their big, interesting for them, their, their kind of challenge, I would say, was almost easier that they were introducing a new type of food to the UK. You know, this whole idea of of kind of the, you know, the Japanese fusion and the sort of noodles and all that kind of stuff. They, they were kind of pioneering that and telling people this is what this is. With us, we had, and we continue to have this massive challenge of, well, you think Mexican food is this, but actually it's this. And trying yeah. to get people's head around whether it's literally, whether it's tequila, whether it's what a taco is, whether it's like, no, it's not all about burritos and fajitas. You know, th- th- that actually is the biggest challenge for us, getting people to try things on our menu they've never heard of, or they wouldn't try a taco because they think it comes in a hard corn shell, or when you do give it to them a soft corn you know, they suddenly think, well, that's not a taco or whatever. So it's it's a lot of education and there's still a lot of education to go. Um, but that's half, you know, that's half the, the challenge and the fun side of it. You know, it's about, you know, constantly educating them sort of, you know, we're sort of re- kind of consider ourselves almost like a revelation of what Mexican food can be. Um, and we try very hard to kind of, you know, be, be big champions of that. There was it was something similar when I was at Yosushi in, in a way where, you know, there was just so much no thanks, you know, in terms of raw fish and, and yeah. all the rest of it. And it was just like I was always kind of keen that, you know, we did a job for the category first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, we'd, we'd get the rub off. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think... Well, yeah, you know, again, funny enough, that's another one of our... Because, you know, you've got... We are talking earlier about sustainability. The other, the other thing that, you know, I think really stands us out and, and has done certainly is, is the level of our service and, and the kind of the vibrant, the informality and the vibrancy and the sense of occasion that comes with Oaxaca. You know, we, we sort of, for me, I love the idea of, you know, the, this this sort of vibrant cantina where you come in and, and, and experience and it. And it's very genuine. You know, it is a, you know, our, what we want people to experience is this like, you know, this, this uplift uh, in coming in and experiencing the vibrancy of, of of Mexico. And for me, you know, arriving in Mexico City is just one of the kind of most uplifting things you can ever do. You know, you walk out and from the moment you look at the car park, you know, each level of the car park has um, all the lights are set to a different neon color. So the top floor might be bright turquoise, the next floor bright green, the next floor bright yellow. And it's kind of like just, you know, the plant pots, you have these huge plant pots, one which we painted white, one will be painted bright pink, the next one will be bright blue, then you'll have two white. And they just, they they deal with colour um, in a really interesting way. And their whole way of life is about being fearless. And and it genuinely is very infectious. You know, you take the whole sort of element of what dead dead is about, that they're, they're not scared of death, that they, they are there to celebrate life. And that's very much what the Mexicans do. And without wanting mm. to be a, sort of a pastiche of that or to try and what we're not we've never wanted to be is a sort of a party place we're we're not kind of like um you know come and drink loads with us and get drunk it's about come and just experience a feeling of 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 good hospitality warmth um and and sort of vibrancy with the food with the color with the service etc and and that's that's been a big thing so how, how do we fit that into a explanation of who we are as a business and a brand because you've got food then you've got sustainability then you've got vibrancy 
And do we fit, you were talking about Yo Sushi in the category of sushi, is where do we fit on, on that Mexican scale? Is Mexico important? Or actually, is it just the, the idea of, of varied street food sustainably, sustainably done in a really vibrant way? And that's almost the fourth battle of our kind of marketing thing is how do we position, how do we explain what we are without losing all of those elements? I think that's a really interesting point. And actually, you know, talking about Wagamama and all the rest of it, it occurs to me that you are, as as Wagamama used to say, or, or still do maybe, that they were a category of one. Like, yeah. I don't think there's anything else like you. Yeah. No, we, we've, tried, we've tried hard to sort of, um, funny enough, when we did the work with Two Forks, you know, we kind of tried hard to um, bridge where exactly do we fit into the kind of the dining experience and when do people... And, and it's almost like people go, oh, I feel like a, I feel like a Mexican. I feel like an Italian. I feel like a burger. I feel like this. Oh, I feel like Oaxaca. You know, and it's almost, yeah. it, it's almost being something that that's just because of the food, because of the vibrancy, etc. And it's not that you necessarily feel like a Mexican, and it's not that you necessarily mm. feel like having some margaritas. It, it's, it's, it's. There's something more to it. And and funny yeah. enough, you know. I haven't quite cracked it and if anyone out there has got you know it's it's what exactly how do we define that in a really clear way which which brings together sustainability vibrancy mexican food and delicious street food and how do we kind of sum all that up in a way which the consumer understands and also you know just reflect exactly what you get when you when you come into the into one of the Oaxacas. yeah i mean it's 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 a weird one, right? Because you want to define it, but you don't want to define it too much. Yeah, exactly. Because I think you you lose some of the magic, you know. Um, but there's a really good Scottish brand guy I can put you in touch with uh, <laughs> after the after the call. <laughs> Alex from Engage here, and thanks for tuning in to the Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Each week, we'll be bringing you a great tip to supercharge your own digital marketing. And this week's comes from Shri, our head of SEO. Now, it's common to see menus on websites listed on one page, just linking to different PDFs. Now, whilst this doesn't hurt search, because PDFs can be indexed, there's a better solution. Creating web versions of these menus allows you to target customers looking for specific meals. Rather than a brunch menu PDF, you can have a brunch menu page that can now target people looking for brunch in your specific location. Have a kids menu? Use the page to target people searching for child-friendly restaurants in your location. As long as the menus are different, with unique URLs, you can do this for lunch, dinner, special offers, two-for-ones, and any other menu you offer. It's worth still providing PDF menus as a fallback to give the customer the choice of how they want to digest your information, but always lead with a web-based menu for the most search engine impact. If you need help getting your brand more visible online, then head over to engageinteractive.co.uk forward slash podcast where you can see how we've helped some of the UK's most ambitious and successful hospitality brands with their own digital marketing strategies. Cheers, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, so thinking about then, uh, actually, you know, I'm starting down some questions there, but there's something that popped into my head, is your people. So how have you got the people thing so right? Um, I... Th- it's it's a really sort of it's a really difficult one i mean for me i've always believed in 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 not what i didn't want to do and it's why we're kind of very careful with how we approach mystery diners and stuff what what i didn't want to do was just to have a cookie cutter approach to hospitality and i i, I wanted to kind of create something where people came in 
um, and experienced. Their experience hopefully will be uplifting, whatever. But depending on the server and the restaurant and the design of the restaurant, their experience might be slightly different in in each restaurant. And that would be heavily led by uh, the management team and the server and and the way that you know we kind of design the restaurants. Um, and the individuality of our teams and staff is is really really important to me. You know, I remember back way you know way back in the beginning. You know, one of our waiters kind of sat down next door to a customer and and the customer looked quite shocked and i remember sort of looking at it going that's brilliant that that's that yeah. that's his vibe that's what he wants to do and that's how he's going to get his message across and but what i didn't want to do is then say right everyone has to sit down it was about yeah. guys actually there's different ways of approaching customers you might you might want to crouch you might want to sit you certainly don't sit if you've got like an elderly couple looking slightly scared about everything, but you do with a, you know, and actually, you know, giving, giving them the power to engage with, you know, I, I'm a massive tequila fan and I'm constantly saying, guys, talk to people about tequila. And I don't even care if it's selling you, just get people to get people to try good hundred percent agave tequilas and just, just mm-hmm. educate them. You know, I've got about 40 at home whenever anyone comes around to our house, I kind of get out the tequila mezcal and I kind of bore them rigidly, but I'm, 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 I'm sort of back myself by the end that most people leaving there will probably buy a bottle of the tequila in the next month and have it at yeah. home and be champions of it because because they suddenly go, wow, I had no idea that this is what proper tequila is. And in the same way, it's it's giving our guys the passion to talk about our food and our, our drinks um, and, and engage with customers and, and, you know, talk to customers. You know, it, it's not about a customer just coming into a hacker and ordering the same thing. You know, we've got... A whole range of street food 45 percent or something of our street food is vegetarian you know we, we've got an incredible array of food um which everyone can try in in different depending on different moods and we need to understand what the customers are and get get our guys being able to talk in their own comfortable way i don't want to give them a script i want them to understand uh everything we do and then actually um manifest it in their own way that's the key bit and then make them feel that they are part of a team and a business and they're not just cogs in a wheel and, and that's you know how we communicate and how we how we work with them all that that's really important because i heard and i don't know if this is true but i heard they still do like the the inductions when new members come on and, and all the rest of it yeah I, I i every probably every two or three weeks we'll meet up and talk for a, for a good hour an hour and a half to uh anyone new that joins the business um and just talk to them about yeah sort of all the things we've been speaking about really about why we set it up what we love about it the type of experiences they should be be seeing if they're not to let me know about you know what our sustainable principles are about not leaving a negative footprint on the planet what does that mean how how can how can they feel empowered the big thing for me is getting out of those sessions is, is is making anyone who joins us feel empowered that they can make a difference when they go back to their sites. And that's about, you know, doing things, doing things differently, you know, not feeling shackled, but actually, you know, feeling hopefully deeply proud of the product and then being able to kind of use that pride to rub off on customers and their own kind of their own team. And I very much describe how it's, you know, our, our brand and, and what we do is, is, involves the kind of the team working with customers it's not about the team just serving customers and it's not just about customers it's about looking after our team so that they look after our customers and and that's again 
you know everyone in hospitality loves to say it and 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 you know i guess the proof's in the pudding but it's for me it's really important about you know we're doing a a big exercise at the moment around just going back to the whole food passion thing and just really telling our guys everything they want to know about about where our food comes from what the stories behind it are why we love it um why tommy's got it on the menu etc you know really really kind of important things where they can just you know step back and what we call the grandmother test you know every dish every drink they serve asking themselves the question would i would i serve this to my grandmother and my big thing is you're all empowered if you if you don't feel you would then let's start again no one should criticize anyone saying i don't think that dish looks right can we do it again Hmm. and then what about uh, market halls and street food markets and all the rest of it do you think you'll go full circle back to that kind of thing as well or is it just firmly in restaurants for you now um yeah we've kind of we've we've looked at that um and i think uh for me certainly it's 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 not a no and 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 there's lots of opportunity i mean if i'm being quite honest that these guys love to have sort of startup businesses um Mm. and they'll kind of you know they'll look at they'll look at what hack and go hang on you've got 28 sort of restaurant 25 restaurants um and they'll kind of go well i want to you know i want to i want to have a kind of the new latest startup but i you know whenever i talk to them i'm kind of like well guys you know we are still probably will be one of your most sustainable restaurants out there we will offer great service better than everyone else will will invest in those things um and so we've done you know through both oaxaca and df we've done um we've done lots of pop-ups we've done lots of things like that in terms of actually going to market halls and, and places we've spoken to market halls and you know we might well do something someday but um you know at the moment it's um uh d- doing those little things is great fun um and i guess for me the bit that always makes me slightly nervous is just you know they run on very short leases so you kind yeah. of it, it's a great opportunity to get a new brand and stuff out there in terms of kind of running a business and stuff i think you know it's nice to have a bit more kind of certainty around what you do but but you know they're they're brilliant i love them you know they're absolutely brilliant and and certainly for uh df which is our other brand um they're a perfect kind of vehicle uh to get the name out there and we're definitely talking to people about that how many dfs now two two what is it uh brick truman brewery uh we're in truman brewery and tottenham road Uh, when that happened and, and launched i was like wow this is this is great and you know what was the thinking behind doing doing the sort of sister brand sub brand thing? Um, yeah, we kind of we refer to it as sort of Oaxaca's cheeky brother, and I think the, the sort of the the essence behind it really was both Tommy and I kind of um, are you know love doing different things and, and and trying things out, and I think you know we went on a a big tour of um, of LA, New York, Chicago, Mexico City. And just got really excited about, you know, everywhere you go in, in America, all the kind of top kitchens have Mexican chefs working in them. You know, Mexican chefs are the big drivers of the restaurant kind of scene in, in America. And so slowly, slowly, slowly in all these cities and states, the kind of the Mexican food is 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 fusing with the kind of the style of of of, of the local kind of cuisine and particularly around kind of that kind of diner culture. And then when you went to Mexico City, you saw kind of how American food was coming in and, and influencing some of the more modern uh, Mexican kind of style restaurants. 
So we kind of, well, you know, we got really excited about that and just, you know, it's just deli- quite honestly delicious food where you might have a sort of a, you know, so a torta, for example, is a, you know, is, is a Mexican sandwich for want of a, a better description. And, um, but suddenly, you know, we found this, this wonderful place in, uh, called Torteria in, in uh, New York, which was served basically doing Mexican ingredient style torta things in a, in a sort of a brioche bun. Um, and you know, it sounds, sounds very obvious, but you know, no one else is doing it and just, just utterly delicious. And we said, wow, that's, that's amazing. And, you know, we took some of our ingredients we have in Oaxaca and sort of, you know, did it like this and added some chipotle mayonnaise to it, or, you know, had a side of chili fries, um, next door to it, or suddenly created a delicious habanero mayo that we could put on some chicken tacos. Um, actually that, that's wonderful, but we just felt it wasn't really applicable for Oaxaca. Um, but we kind of loved the idea of it. We thought, you know, again, as part of our kind of, of our vision, really, of explaining, um, you know, how delicious Mexican food is to the UK, it's being able to do that in a more informal, potentially more accessible environment um, was really appealing. So we kind of, you know, we kicked off on that journey, really going, you know, a bit of fun, great way to showcase tacos. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been great. You know, as I said, we, you know, we are, we're not looking to either Oaxaca or DF to like massively overexpand, but we definitely want to grow DF as a business. We see there's being, you know, some really great opportunities just being this kind of this very accessible, but sustainable and, and, and cool kind of, uh, taco, taco kind of joint but but obviously offering kind of some more varied mexican food but it's it's really all about kind of tacos but having them in a familiar environment and with you know things like chili fries with a chipotle mayo or a little cup of a uh, cup of corn which is you know esquites which is very traditional street food in mexico city so you know it, it's just a it's it's a it's a wonderful little business great team great vibe and and you know lots of lots of interesting opportunities and what about then the Oaxaca branded stuff? So you've got, you know, some gift kits and you've got obviously your stuff in the supermarkets and all that. Was what how did that all come about and, and what were you thinking about that? So that that really was um uh, you know linked linked to this kind of this vision of trying to just shake up what, what people thought of Mexican food and what we believe Mexican food could be. And we thought kind of doing that through uh the kind of supermarkets um uh was a really good opportunity we didn't to be quite honest we didn't say it as a sort of a, a a big kind of business opportunity per se but as a sort of a branding exercise and 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 so it's been good i think the biggest challenge really has been where we've often just held back is what we don't want to do is is compromise on the quality of ingredients and food that you get in the oaxaca through in order to fit a retail environment um, and so we, you know, we're, we're not, we're not pushing that in an aggressive way because, you know, we still haven't found, uh, and, and, you know, quite simply time as well. Um, but just haven't found the necessarily the right way to do that in a, in a, in a really kind of, um, kind of rollout way. We're very happy with the products we've got at the moment. They're great. Um, but in terms of, um, kind of really pushing it, um, it's, it needs some, some proper, proper focus. And, and for us, the, the exercise of, of, of doing a really good brand job. We've got some really dedicated people who love it and we're, we're, we are uh, exploring kind of other opportunities in that field. But it was very much there as a sort of getting the name out and um, showing people what what kind of, you know, from an image point of view and taste point of view, what Mexican food could be. 
I mean, I, I think it was a really smart play. And as, as we said at the, the top of the episode as well, you know, it, it really just made you look, you know, way bigger than than you actually were. And, you know, I, I, I think it just made you, you know, UK famous, if not beyond, which is which is brilliant. And then just get into the, the branding and marketing stuff, a, a few questions on that, and then I'll ask you some fun ones and I'll let you go on with your life. Um, but, you know, thinking about in the marketing space, you know, you... you Again, we're really quick out the traps to do Day of the Dead stuff, you know, quite famously, Mezcal, etc. You know, yeah. who's driving that? You know, where's what's worked really well? What have you, you know, thought would work and had and those types of things? You know, how are you coming up with your great marketing ideas? Yeah, well, so so Day of the Dead is is something Tommy and I have spoken about from from day one, really, and it goes back to my you know, slightly kind of theatre led kind of um charge of 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 yeah as a business we we want a you know genuinely you come into a hacker and and yes business and making money is important but actually having fun and having the team engaged we believe is the biggest driver to success um and you know we have some crazy ideas and we go well let's let's give it a go let's see let's see how we can do that so dare the dead is you know is is central and south america's biggest um uh biggest festival really um and you know we've obviously got kind of um rio and stuff but it but it's a it's a huge huge festival um and it's a wonderful festival it's all about celebrating life you know it turns halloween on its head um it's not about being scary it's about kind of remembering loved ones and and just again the vibrancy and the kind of the ethos that sits behind it um is so enticing and exciting so for me, it's, that's always been one on my agenda where I get very excited about how can we bring that to life. And, you know, we're currently thinking about doing a sort of um, procession through Soho around our restaurants and really trying to draw people in and get actors and characters involved and stuff. And and, and we've done a whole, you know, we did a massive festival, four and a half thousand people about three years ago in the tobacco docks where we had, you know, big, big bands. We had... Um, uh we had all sorts of street food we had um wrestlers we had um immersive theater we had um a mexico whole huge mexican market about 40 different stalls uh we had uh incredible artwork teamed up with sachi gallery to do um lots of art we had um enrico vera who's mexico's top chef came over and did a supper club with tommy yeah it was just an incredible incredible thing lost us an absolute fortune um but but it was just, you know, from a from a team point of view and everything, it was just a really fun, engaging thing to do. And, you know, we we always like doing things like that from for our teams and 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 also just from a from a brand point of view, going, look, we're a little bit different. We like shaking things up a bit and we like having some fun. And and, and that's a big part of I think the attraction with Oaxaca is is being able to do those things. Um so that Mescal is I mentioned it, you know, mezcal and tequila, but both again, Tommy and I are, are just you know, love mezcal, love tequila. It's a big part of Mexican heritage, um, and and you know, it's it's massively misunderstood over here. You know, you have a bottle of cheap tequila, and you will never go back to tequila. You have a, you know, you have an aged, you know, twelve year aged añejo tequila. Um, mm. and you know, it's better than any kind of whiskey that's out there, you know, it's absolutely delicious and sipping it. And, you know, we've been pushing the drum for years and years about sip, don't shoot. And, you know, the whole idea about, you know, having a, uh, a blanco white tequila with your meal and just sipping it, you know, there's nothing, 
there's nothing nicer than doing that. And when we go to Mexico every year, you know, just sitting down, having lunch in a very civilized way with a couple of, um, you know, Blanco tequilas to, to, to see you through is, is just brilliant. And I just, I love the idea as does Tommy of, of, of educating people in the UK about it, you know, wh- wh- whether, whether it's from a business point of view or personal point of view, it's just a big, it's a big mission of ours. And then thinking, well, just thinking about, you know, you're saying you lost a fortune, et cetera. I mean, did you, do you measure it in some way or is there just a gut feel that you're just like, it was the right thing to do. It has a halo effect. You know, we did it because we wanted to. Very much. We did it because we wanted to. And I, and I think if you start trying to, you know, we, we, a couple of years ago, we started sort of um, trying to analyze it in, in a bit more detail, which I kind of didn't totally agree with because, Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you can never tell quite what the impact, you know, so we did a whole thing of, of, well, you know, had you heard of Oaxaca before you came? Has this made you sort of more interested in, in, in visiting Oaxaca afterwards? And actually what, what, what it seemed to show was actually it, the people that came were people that knew us already and they were, they were kind of followers of us as a brand. And so the kind of the idea was, well, are we spending all this money on people that sort of already love us? And you're like, well, you know, actually, are we looking at, you know our teams internally actually they work bloody hard but they really really enjoy it they feel proud of it they feel that actually this is a business that 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 it's not just about making profit it's about caring for your people it's about educating people on a you know really about something you passionately believe in which is which is mexico and its heritage and its culture and how that all links in with food which is such a big part of 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 mexican culture so you know i think a lot of it you can overanalyze um and I think for me, just the biggest disappointment is there the dead doesn't fall in the summer because it fell in the summer. We would do an amazing festival um, and yeah. and would just blow the door. I mean, I literally creatively just got so many ideas, but trying to do something in the middle of well, early November in the freezing cold where you can where you can sort of invest enough, but you haven't got the spaces to bring in enough people to validate it. That's the hardest bit. So when we kind of, you know, set out doing the one in tobacco docks, we kind of knew we were going to lose a fortune uh, because you simply, the numbers didn't work from what you're investing to what you, you know, we sold out, but what you, what you could achieve by selling out, just, it just didn't, it didn't work. So we said, well, look, let's just do it, see what happens, see if we learn something from it. And we've gone on to do, you know, so last time, not last year, the year before we did one and we did, uh, three and a half thousand people, but over three days. Um, and that was really successful, but it's about how we keep it alive, how we keep doing different things. You know, so this year, as I said, we're thinking about doing a big procession through Soho, um, and you know, stuff like that. So there's just, you know, always, uh, you know, always different ideas. I was trying to team up with, you know, the whole South Bank center about doing something really creative and stuff there. So it, it, for me, it's just a, it's a passion. It's, it's, um, it's something different. It's something that, uh, as you said, it stands us stands us out from the others, you know, creatively. And you just got two you got two sort of founders who genuinely love doing this stuff and love celebrating what Mexico's about. And that that's really, you know, for me, whether you know, whether it's Mexico, whatever, whatever sort of businesses I'm involved with, I you know, I only get involved with them if I'm passionately kind of love them. So, you know, it, it's and you can you can think creatively and you can think how can we be different from other people and and genuinely care about it. And that's that's what we spend a lot of our time thinking through. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Fourth. 
Forth is the leading hospitality workforce, inventory and analytics provider. Forth effectively manages your employee's journey using its integrated workforce management system. Forth also improves your organisational efficiency by streamlining and managing all of your purchasing and inventory. And Forth Analytics gives you instant insight to make better business decisions all from your phone, tablet or your computer. Transform your hospitality business today. Go to Forth.com now. Thinking about, you know, obviously sustainability being at the heart, where does the balance happen, if at all, where to do the right thing and source the right ingredient and for it to be, you know, as authentically, you know, Mexican as it can be versus maybe the economic cost that, you know, because obviously most restaurants are tight margins and all the rest of it. How how do you manage that balance? Because it's a neat trick to pull off. Um, yeah, it, it's – and again, we're looking at this now because obviously – pricing and everything is going all over the place but but you know we we you've got to believe in what you've got to kind of back yourself and believe in in in, in what you are really and i think you know does everyone who comes in know that we you know that, that our sustainable um you know levels and principles are probably not but in fact certainly not but do we internally believe that's the right thing to do as a business we do and so we kind of you know we kind of we believe rightly or wrongly that that that's the approach you have to take and you have to take the kind of cost for it. Now at times you get put on, you know, there's, there's been times where we just haven't been able to get the chicken at the welfare levels that we want for four or five weeks. And so you have to kind of adapt, but you, you've got to, you've got to then come back to the principle of, you know, why you set this up. For example, you know, we haven't, you know, there's an amazing dish um, in Mexico city called, uh, uh, which is a sort of a, a, a tuna tostada which is served with sort of um, uh, kind of lightly fried onions and uh, sort of a, a, a very light kind of spicy chipotle mayo with a sesame um, seeds. And it's, it's, it's absolutely delicious, but we won't serve that because of the sustainability on tuna. And, you know, we have, we have, you know, fought for that for many years and just said, we can't, we can't put that on our menu. So, you know, we, we, we do have to make compromises, you know, along the way around what we can serve and, and, we look at the price and go, that's just going to be too expensive for our customers and the, and the brand. Um, but other times we kind of push it and go, well, you know, let's put, let's give it a go as a special or, or whatever that is. And, you know, um, it's about, there's, there's that element. And then there's the element of, you know, trying different things like, you know, we put on in many different guises, sort of crickets, grasshoppers, etc., which again, part of the standard kind of diet of Mexico, which is totally alien over here. Um, and it's about kind of educating, testing the waters, getting feedback, seeing where you can take it, et cetera, et cetera. So we, again, it goes back to our ethos of wanting to, wanting to try things, give them a go, not, not overcomplicate things either. Um, but, you know, keep, keep trying and keep pushing boundaries. And then just thinking about, uh, you know, obviously recovering from crisis and, you know, you've, you've been through some situations before in the past, you know, is there any recommendations you know from you having that close hindsight you know for being a leader coming through the other side the impermanence of that situation you know what did you learn from that um I I think I think the biggest thing which is just a general life lesson you keep learning is is shit happens (laughs) and you just you know 
you can't you can't sit back and go oh how unfair this is you know when we had yeah. when we had norovirus literally you know hit 18 of our restaurants overnight and you know speaking to public health England, and everything else there was literally nothing we could have done about that there was no mm. hygiene fault by us you know the next day we got literally five well the next day of the next week every single one of our restaurants was visited by um uh the local councils and we got five star eho ratings in all of them you know it literally mm. was a stroke of luck coming out of mm. well it's still public health england don't know where it came from but we we we, we think maybe some chilies from mexico although still it's very unclear how that would have got in but you know you, yeah. you just have to sit there and instead of just thinking god poor me you know our sales have fallen off 40 percent we've lost a shitload of money customers now think we've poisoned people you know you just have to go right let's what are we going to learn from this how are we going to move it forward and i and i think likewise with this my big thing was like guys from the beginning what can we what can we do to come out of this even stronger even better let's look at mm. you know, we're doing a big exercise now on sustainability again just going are we are we are we sustainable enough you know what what else can we do um you know in terms of the the, the, the education of our teams we're, we're as i said we're, we're we're now going back and just re-looking at all of our training on 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 keeping people uh you know passionate about our food the pride factor in our food you know making sure that we really come out of this in, in such a strong way because as you say it's going to be it's going to be hard it's going to be deeply competitive um and with social distancing and ever, everything else we've just got to we've got to offer brilliant service brilliant food and a great vibe and experience and that's got to you know that's what we've always stood for and that's what we've got to kind of come out of this so in terms of advice it's 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 you know let's not all feel sorry for ourselves too much it is it is what it is and and just try and really focus on your business and and quite honestly if it doesn't work it's not your fault you know but but take i think from anything you just gotta you know you've got to learn you've got to learn from it as we said at the beginning you know, it, it's an experience. You know, you put it down as an experience. You go, I, I, I went through that. I learned that, and and you know, take some things out of it. Yeah, I think it's you've got to control what you can control, really. You know, and I've been watching, you know, people in in my line of work a bit. You know, and there's been a lot of kind of ambulance chasing, yeah, podcasts going on and navel gazing and all. Was me and everyone having a good morning? It's like, look, screw this. What when the green light goes, are you going to be ready? You know, what are you spending your time and your energy on? Yeah. Um, which is a big thing. And another couple of things just on, on you know, the Novo virus thing in, in, a, in a really positive way. It had happened, I believe, just next to uh, a Peach Awards, maybe, or one of these type of things. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and you won something that night, and I think you almost got a standing ovation. And I think everyone in the, the, the overspill of unspoken love in the room just you know just how everyone was feeling for you because it just could have happened to anyone and i just remember that as a, a great moment yeah know? i mean I, I'm, um, I'm i'm sort of i'm sort of rarely reduced to tears but i think i think i sort of uh i think a kind of uh a few tears sort of came down at that moment we, we won the literally i think it was two weeks after we sort of recovered and and yeah. we won the um the peach kind of consumer choice award um yeah. being the kind of the best experience brand um and yeah having that after the absolute hell that we'd been through for the past sort of six weeks um was was utterly overwhelming and and you know yeah. actually more than anything just to go back to our team genuinely go back to our teams who had been working so hard and say guys it was worth it sort of thing well done look at look at this kind of thing that that just meant uh meant the world to all of us really um knowing that 
you know, we were a love brand and a business and, and that people were still going to come back and see us and they cared for us and, and everything else, you know, really made a, made a, made a big, big difference. It was, it was sort of very rewarding timing. It was lovely. It was a lovely moment. I was, I was glad to be there. It was very cool. What about what's next vision for the brand in the future? I know there's a slight bump in the road at the moment, but yeah. um, you know, over and above that, you know, what, what are you thinking about in the next few years? I th- I quite honestly, what, so what, what, what this has made us think is, is, is we want to come out of this as being at the real f- forefront of the, of the hospitality sector, but, but, you know, the, within the casual dining space, particularly around just being top of our game. You know, I, I I'm not, you know, if, site opportunities come up etc great but it's going to be a bumpy year or two and actually what i want to be able to say is guys in in a year's time we want to be people coming in going wow you know we're hackers just firing on all cylinders the food's fantastic the service is fantastic the level of knowledge and its principles on sustainability and driving that agenda forward etc um are are just kind of second to none and and really that's my that's my ambition for the next year to two, um, you know, and, and and that's what you know will will allow me to be having a conversation with you in five years' time, um, and and still being deeply proud about the business and, and it being in a great shape and position. I think you know, could there be some really interesting opportunities from a property point of view and growth point of view over the next year or two? I think there probably will be, and and you know, do we want to be in a place to be able to take advantage of those? Absolutely, but only if we're heading all of those things I was mentioning before. And in the last couple of things was was just some fun stuff. So we do a little thing called Mark Out of 10. You know, a few favourites. So, uh, best city to eat in? Uh, so funny enough, I, I was thinking about this um, and I, I actually genuinely think um, either, either Oaxaca or Mexico City and, and particularly Oaxaca, funny enough, because I've been going to Oaxaca well, I've been there since 18, but we went, we went, I haven't been for uh, a sort of a year and a half, two years and, and went back. Um, we just took uh, a whole lot of our teams there in January and, and the food scene there, I mean, the market food and the street food has always been delicious, but, but actually the kind of the, um, uh, the, the new restaurants that have started up there, which again are kind of taking Mexican food, but just just playing with it in the most awesome way, um, is really really exciting. Um, and 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 also just the particularly the mezcalerias and things that are that are kind of opening up, educating people about about real artisanal mezcal. It's just a it's it's a small little city, but it's just wonderfully exciting. The kind of the food and walking around and the art. It's just it's just a it's it's a lovely place to be, and if it wasn't that, it would it would certainly be Mexico City, I think. And you know, I know lots of people kind of with you sort of mentioned London, and and, and clearly London is an unbelievably exciting place. Um, and you know, if you're really looking at the, the the range of options that are available in London, it, it's it's incredible and second to none. But um, but uh, but I think Oaxaca, visiting Oaxaca, and just just kind of experiencing. Um, uh, some of the restaurants there is is, is wonderful. Best restaurant? Am I allowed two? Um, yes, I'm going to give you. It. I'm going to give you two. Uh, so um, one is a uh, just a, a lovely place in in Provence where it's called Bistro du Paradou, and it's a. I've been going there for years and years. My my parents in law lived there, 
Um, uh, and Bistro de Paradou is, is a is a is a little bistro that's set up in an in an old uh, kind of barn. But the quality is just sensational. I had my my fortieth um, uh, birthday there, um, oh, and um, we and, and you go basically, and it's I think it's it's sort of slowly crept up over the years, but I think it's about you know you pay about sixty or seventy euros per person. Uh, but that basically they have um, all the wine is is then free. All the food is included. You have uh, you have three courses, but every day it's a, it's a set menu which changes every day. Um, but sort of in between that, you're kind of dispersed with a sort of delicious sort of rustic vegetable soup with with beautiful artisanal bread. And then you sort of have your 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 different courses, and then they have this wonderful kind of cheese platter that's passed around, and you just. I mean, it's, they've got like 60 different types of cheese and you just help yourself to whatever cheese you want, however much you want of it, and then puddings and then Armagnac. And the whole experience is just, you know, that there is, that effectively there's no bill at the end because it's just a set price. But the the level of hospitality and theatre in that place is just, I mean, I, I go probably twice a year or something and it, and it is just, I just absolutely love it. it is, it's so amazing. And it's nothing that, you know, the setting is nothing special but the guy that owns it, it's still on the floor every night talking to guests. He knows everyone coming in. And it's just, it's it's a it's a lovely, lovely place. If anyone's ever down in Provence, Bistro de Paradis, I would I would thoroughly recommend going to. Um and then the other one is is my kind of absolute favorite, which is called Contramar, which is in Mexico City. Um, and it's a restaurant Tommy introduced me to kind of when we were there uh back in 2006. Um and I've gone there pretty much once a year every year since then and we always end whenever we, we every year we take a whole lot of our teams over to kind of mixture of guadalajara mexico city oaxaca tulum those sort of areas just just educating them about mexico and mexican food and we always end up in in contramar and it is just this bustling again theatrical um vibrant restaurant in the middle of mexico city which just sort of all the kind of um uh kind of yeah it's just got this wonderful scene going on there and the food is just wonderful they 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 do those tuna tostadas i was telling you about they do these amazing kind of salmon sashimi tostadas which we've done sort of at various times on the oaxaca menu um and it's all it's all kind of uh seafood based but it is it's it is just a a brilliant brilliant spot and we always sit there uh sipping a uh, pacifico beer and a and a uh, don julio blanco tequila and sort of reflecting on our, our week of kind of gastronomic travels. And it's just a, it's a wonderful kind of end to a, to a lovely week with our teams. And it, it's just, it's, it's always one of my favorite restaurants. And then what about best dish? Best dish is, is a, it's a, it's a difficult, is it, is this best dish in a restaurant or is it just best sort of cooking dish? Yeah, probably in a restaurant. Yeah. Probably in a restaurant. I mean, I think, um, uh, from, I'm sure everyone always says this, but I, I I don't think you can beat, or I certainly can't beat the kind of the um the Oaxaca porpoise tacos with the pink pickled onions, yeah. which I have had more times than I can possibly uh, think for mention. <laughs> but it is a you know it's just a it's a it's a wonderful dish which you know Tommy inspired by the kind of slow cooked porks from uh from from Mexico. But it's just you know when when you get the kind of the soft wonderful kind of masa corn tortillas with this five six hour cooked uh slow cooked pork with these kind of fiery pink pickled onions which kind of just stand off the plate it, it's a 
you know, as long as you kind of avoid the kind of the, the dribbling juices getting on your shirt, it's a, you know, it's a mucky, <laughs> mucky but delicious, uh, delicious dish. Yeah, it's a cracker. And then, yeah, it's, it's kind of your absolute iconic dish, I think, yeah. for, for a lot of people, you know. And But yeah, you're right, it's a bugger to get out of a shirt, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then best drink. I mean, we've talked a lot about tequila, but um, is is that it? Is there something else? Uh, so tequila is, I think, particularly for me, a, um, a a drink I'm making a lot of at the moment. Actually, is is a paloma, but it but it's not the kind of funny enough. It's in in Mexico. I I don't like palomas because they tend to just do it with a kind of pre carbonated flavored. Um, uh, brand which I won't mention um so they're basically it, it, it's a grapefruit kind of based long drink so you have it with a uh a kind of a typically a blanco tequila um and um uh a sort of a grapefruit uh a grapefruit soda um and um and you kind of mix it around and that's it but I, I kind of make it um I get a fresh fresh grapefruit um create sort of two hours before I'll create a, a grapefruit juice and then either uh, pick kind of fresh rosemary or thyme and just let it sit in the grapefruit juice for a while um and then um and then sort of after after two hours or so um uh you get some what i do is i typically get probably about 35 mil of blanco tequila then about uh 15 mil of a um uh of a reposado or an añejo kind of slightly more aged caramel kind of uh smoky flavor um put that then you add the kind of um probably about 50 ml of of the grapefruit rosemary or thyme um kind of mix and then um top it up with soda water and then a tiny bit either of agave or maple syrup and just mix it all around and it is uh just utterly refreshing utterly delicious and like all tequila gives you a, a real pickup nice listen i'll let you go it's been fascinating it's been great you know genuinely potentially even the, one of the best podcasts I've done. So, you know, great information. Honestly, it's been great. I, I wish you and the team well and, and Tommy and everyone. And, um, yeah, I just I can't wait to get back and see you in Brighton and, and Charlotte Street sometimes was my my haunt as well. Great. So thanks a lot. Thanks. Take care. Stay well. Thanks, Mark. Bye. So there we have it. It just makes me want to go to Oaxaca right now and pour over that amazing menu and have most things off it with a few tequilas, margaritas, and some Pacifico lager. Huge thanks to Mark for taking the time to talk to me today. It was just absolutely amazing and joyous, and really given given me a, a great boost in terms of being in the lockdown and being in a hot, sweltering bedroom stroke studio for recording. So massive thanks to him and, and just the positive and positivity that he, he gave across today. It was brilliant. A huge thanks also to Engage, our headline sponsors. So if you need anything digital, do get in touch with Engage Interactive and ask for Alex and they'll be able to help you out. A massive thanks also to our premium partner, BDO, for all things finance, guidance, strategy, mergers, acquisitions, all that stuff. Get in touch with them and ask for Peter and he'll help you out. Huge thanks to you for listening and telling that one person more to tune in. And thanks for sharing, rating, reviewing and subscribing. It really means a lot. And thanks to everyone that writes to us on a weekly basis. 
just small messages in the DMs all the way to long emails. So it's just really great to hear from everyone out there and, and how much they're enjoying the new series. And a massive thanks to Gaz and Gabby as usual for putting it all together. I know it's a, a hard task every week, so thanks so much for doing that. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. I really hope that you get a lot from this episode. Bless you for listening. And I hope more than ever, you've got enough value from this podcast that really helps your brand boom. Boom.